0: I'm Carol Coletta, and this is Night Cities. Joy, play, whimsy, those are words not often used to describe city planning and the associated public engagement it usually requires. But with its Market Street Prototyping Festival, San Francisco inverted the traditional planning model and turned its main street into a canvas for testing ideas submitted by citizens. The result? On display for three days in early April was a collection of 52 passion projects up and down Market Street that the public could experience and play with. Neil Rushoi, Program Director with the City Design Group, led the effort for the City and County of San Francisco's Planning Department. Neil, what is the significance of Market Street to San Francisco?
1: Well, Market Street has been our main street, ever since it was conceptualized back in the 1840s, it was the main drag that connected our waterfront through to at the end through the heart of the city, and connecting our major grids to the north and the newly established and growing grids to the south, and so it was this main connector, and it was laid out at 120 feet, which was an exceptional width back then for a city of just you know a few 10,000s of people. And, but it was really upon this vision that, Mar- that Market Street in San Francisco would become something truly special on the West Coast, sort of the, the queen of the West Coast is how it was framed. And so we built ourselves up in our image around this main street, our Market Street. Today, it's maintained that role all throughout the history. It's, it's where we come to celebrate. It's where we come to protest. So from an identity perspective, but also from a very functional perspective, we have uh, 26 lines of transit that, that run along the surface about a third of the ridership of our MTA runs along Market Street. We have a quarter of a million pedestrians that walk up and down it every single day, and it's our most important cyclist street. Over 7,000 cyclists use Market Street as well, and so it's it's where we are uh, in a grand scale.
0: But Market Street had become rather tired. In its look and feel and its functionality, you've been working to redesign Market Street and you are using a traditional approach of design and consultation with the public. We all know that approach. We're all familiar with it. And it wasn't working. Why?
1: This is an issue that we face in planning and not just on Market Street, but all across the city that are the very traditional format of hosting community workshops where 30 to 40 people on the neighborhood level, maybe we got 100 or so at something as grand as Market Street. They were the typical people who come out. They really weren't offering a lot of new ideas. And we clearly were not reaching the people who either live there, work their own businesses, come there to enjoy it, or use it in their everyday lives. And it's this huge moral responsibility as a public servant that you actually engage with the people who for whom the street matters so much. And so we had to find a new way to engage people that was much, much more democratic and engage people in the lives where they were versus acting to come out to a special event on a Friday evening. And not surprisingly, not a lot of people came.
0: Yeah. And you did find a new way. Tell me about it.
1: So we were fortunate enough to be part of this era in, in North America where there's this growing realization that how we plan cities is being democratized and that many more decisions are being made at the grassroots level, and so um, inspired by a lot of the work that Knight actually has done and and um, a talk that I heard you at, Carol, and with some of the sort of the grassroots public space stuff we've tried in the city, whether it's parklets and the pavement of parks program, we saw an opportunity to invert the traditional model of where government sits on top and asks the questions and decides you know, what answers it brings forward and then builds it to invert it and say, here's a canvas, canvas is Market Street, the community, you tell us what matters most to you. How would you most want to see this enlivened, a place to come and play, to meet, to engage, to learn, to connect? And we will provide you the tools to make that happen. And then everyone who uses the street every day can tell us how well it works. And so we, to the greatest extent we could, Removed ourselves from the process and just provided a framework for the people of San Francisco, and the visitors and all the people who use Mark Street to actually really lead us through this discussion.
0: Scary for government.
1: You know it was, and um, to be perfectly honest, it's it was almost good that some of the people who were in the director's offices maybe didn't fully understand what we were proposing initially, <laughs> and when they uh, gave their their thumbs up to support it and. I think that's the the power of, of doing and a trying something out. And then once you do it, you realize it's actually not nearly so threatening. And when you see the results, and just in terms of the concepts, which were, I think, many of which were brilliant, but also the public's response, the overwhelmingly positive feedback we've received, people saying, thank you. This is such a great way for us to re-envision our street and they love the ideas and they love the process and so i think that really has gone a long way it's it's turned a corner in san francisco in terms of how we can move now move forward and engage the public in these sorts of these sorts of discussions
0: neil let's let's back up a minute your response in in terms of offering up the street as a canvas and asking the public to try out their ideas was something called the market street prototyping festival and i think that the way in which you partnered with yerba buena Center in in particular is very interesting. Talk about that partnership and what that the value that partnership brought to planning in San Francisco.
1: It was a huge part. There is no way that any combination of city agencies could have done this without YBCA. There's just no way we could have done this on our own. The amount that we learned and gained, there's we've learned a tremendous amount. There are things that we could never do. And we'll always need a partner like YBCA to help us in terms of engaging the community. The legitimacy of a voice of government saying something and then a trusted community partner who people really engage with in a different part of their life was a huge, huge game changer for us. Just the people involved. You know, the, you know, the, the partnership was, was key. The quality of the people that YBCA brought to bear And the insights and the knowledge and the experience they brought was completely invaluable. And it was part, you know, personality and experience. It was also coming from the creative side of our community, uh, representing artists, of putting on events all the time where they engage the community, both within their facility and outside the facility, how to speak to people, just the the language that you use that engages people and meets them where they are, either emotionally or socially or, or physically, Um, They brought a whole new toolkit to us that has been amazing, humbling to work with. And I've certainly become um, the biggest advocate here in San Francisco is that we can't solve our urban, social, economic issues without engaging in more partnerships like this.
0: Do you think, Neil, it was the fact that YBCA... Is an arts organization or it was an organization that, as you say, had staged many events? It was a customer service organization. I'm trying to understand if you felt like for whatever reason you didn't have the right arts organization in your city, that you could have put on an equally successful Market Street prototyping type event.
1: You know, I don't think we could have without an arts organization for this type of Festival for the types of questions we were asking about the public space activation, the design of installations. You know, I think very few, certainly the majority of people who submitted and participated in the festival, wouldn't self-identify as artists. They would be certainly creative. They were designers. They were makers. They were urbanists. They came from they were technologists. Um, and so it's not necessarily that we only engaged artists. And so I don't want to suggest that. But YBCA's understanding of the creative process of ideation and creation. And then putting in front of the public, I think was really, really critical for this. I think another critical part was the complete selflessness with which I think both sides brought to it. There was no one here who was trying to say, "Hey, it was my impact, you know, my festival." It was truly public service. And so, you know, I've made statements in the past about that we really did partner in an active governance. That like they they helped us provide service that was traditionally provided by a city agency, and they did so, and they did it so well because they were actually striving for the same goals of bettering the public. And I think that's a really critical thing for other groups to remember, that it's they're not in it for their organization, they're in it for the public good, and I think that's what kept the water so smooth and the relationships so perfect throughout the duration of the of the festival.
0: For those who aren't familiar with Market Street Prototyping Festival, describe what actually happened over those three days.
1: So people got to wake up Thursday morning on the 9th of April to 52 installations on Market Street and 52 installations of a quality that they weren't objects. I don't think any of them were really, you could say, were just objects. They were meant to be engaged with, and they were engaging both as individuals, but more importantly, they encouraged others to engage in a sort of a collective experience around them. And so whether it was the seat go around where you needed someone to sit on the other side of that bench to make it go around and have a laugh and sort of joke about who's going to you know, make it go in which direction or to make water spurts along the landscape bench work, you needed other people to make it happen. I think that's the part that I think was so moving about the installations that were put in there, these 52 installations where you were invited to play to engage you could play ping pong in a six-sided ping pong table I had an amazing game with a guy from missoula montana who kept on laughing that he played ping pong every tuesday night at his community center and he couldn't believe he was on mark street playing ping pong and i think it was that sense of joy that people experienced as they went down mark street that changed fundamentally the culture the vibe if you want of mark street where it ceased to be a a zone where you moved through as quickly as you could to get to your destination, where people were there just to be on Mark Street and to see other people and to engage in these installations. And that was one of the biggest takeaways for me is that there is a huge hunger for people to let down their guard and engage in a really positive, fun, but also collective experience in our public spaces. The other experience was that it Mark Street's a really long street, and so we had five districts. And so what was fun is that you can go to each of the districts, which were separated by a couple blocks each, and have a completely different experience. And, and I think we were successful, in some cases extremely successful, in putting forward prototypes that were truly responsive to the community in which they were located. And that's important just as a... As a design principle, but it was critical in neighborhoods that were already go- undergoing a lot of social stress due to change, and that's in the central market area and the civic center area, area where you could see the prototypes were developed by and through a lot of community engagement and the response of the people who lived in those neighborhoods and would come up to us and say, thank you. you know, nothing special ever happens on our blocks, and it's so wonderful to see this happening here. And we really, really love it.
0: Neil, I'm curious. I, I was there, as you know, for all three days and got a chance to see people interacting with the installations, with each other, but also I think importantly with the makers. And there's Mm. something I think that's really exciting to people today to get behind the curtain and to see the sausage being made. And even though they weren't seeing the installations made on site necessarily, they were engaging with the makers. And then I'm thinking forward about how this will influence planning and design of Market Street as you begin to transform Market Street those makers won't be there that won't be that same sort of animation that or intimacy or authenticity that the makers bring by being on site and talking to visitors about what they've done what is your own feeling about that and and the special value they they brought and whether you can duplicate that when the makers aren't there
1: no, I, I completely agree with you. And I started to get a sense of that as, as I went through. So there was like a block party for a lot of the different districts leading up to the, the festival where the block captain often had a little party to sort of celebrate how far the teams had come. And usually they the makers would share their experience of design, iteration, and then finally construction. And that richness of the story was inspiring to me and that really carried through into the festival with the makers out on the street. And it was, it was something that I didn't anticipate, that it, it personalized your experience with these installations, that you really, as you say, you, they pulled back the curtain, and it made it human, real, and connected to you in a way that we don't normally get to do. And so absolutely, how do you carry that forward? And one of it is that you know, these are prototypes. You know, Some of them did need a little bit of explanation for how to make it work and just to sort of troubleshoot things. And that's that was perfectly okay. That's the stage where we're at. And if I so sort of maybe hold up our whispering dishes, um, that pa- was part of the, the pause installation that Exploratorium did at the top of Uber Winnell Lane, where through very gentle, suggestive signage, but really great design that suggests what you should do, but doesn't tell you what to do, is actually the the target we need to be aiming for is that and that's and that has to do with i think just further iterations of design that you lead people and you give them powerful suggestions but you never want to tell them this is how it works and this is what you should do because hopefully they can through their interactions learn new ways to play with and have fun with your installation but it should be open and transparent enough that they can actually do that and they're not stuck in the outside looking at it and thinking well what does this do how do i interact with that and so i think when we come back out next summer, with uh, sort of the next generation of these prototypes, many more of them will be at the stage where you'll look at it and you're like, I get it. And you can get the base function really quickly, but then you can add on layers of experience as you begin to play with and experiment with uh, the with installation. So I think that's what we need to go for. Although it was wonderful having the makers out there. It, and part of it is that when you know, people give them the positive feedback and you see the smiles on their face, in realizing as one of the organizers how many hundreds of hours each of them donated to create these things. Just seeing that smile, I think, probably warmed everyone who was standing there watching and listening. And so how do you how do you have that periodically? How do you bring that back out? That was a really beautiful part of the festival. And while we can't do it every day, I would love to find a way to do it periodically so that they can become part of the conversation on a more regular way about what happens in Market Street.
0: You know, this makes me think a little bit of uh, Governor's Island and in New York and the, you know, the the way in which they filled the empty uh, military buildings that were left on Governor's Island with people who simply have passion projects. And on weekends, they come out, they get paid nothing. They in fact, they actually have to buy a little bit of insurance to be out there but they're just sharing their work. Whatever their passion is, they're sh- I mean, it can be math, it can be, I'm sure you've been there. It could be math, it could be old um, uh, Victorian clothing. I mean, it's amazing the range of, of passion projects there are. Not quite what you're doing, of course, on Market Street, but nonetheless, part of what makes the island a festival every weekend is the fact that you can interact with these with these people who simply are displaying their passions. And I noted on Market Street with a number of people I spoke with that their nine-to-five job – might be in, for instance, an architectural office, but they were fairly low level employees, weren't getting the most exciting work. And I talked to several of them who said, No, this is so much more exciting than what I do every day. And so there there does seem you tapped into a a need, a hunger, a willingness to share that I think is very, very powerful.
1: It's something that, you know, we the whole festival was premised on this idea that we have a culture in San Francisco and in many American cities where people want to engage in and share more of their ideas and their passion. I don't think I appreciated how strongly and how deeply that ran. And you know, I love the concept of passion projects and, and that there should be spaces in our public realm where we actually allowed that to happen. And so it's not just the vendors that the Arts Commission does, you know, that, and that serves a you know, certain need. And it's not just our farmers' markets, but there's something that's truly not about any sort of monetary exchange, but just sharing of one's passion with another. And that's really powerful and also of our times. You know, it, it's, you know, if you sort of step back and say, wouldn't it be a shame if we actually didn't ride this way? Because I don't know how long it's going to be here, but we have a whole lot of people who, are so eager to share their passion. And oftentimes it's amazing what they can do um, with others and do so in a, in, a, in a free and in a public way.
0: So you're planning to do this again next summer with more refined prototypes. And how eventually do you turn a Market Street prototyping festival into a renewed and revitalized, a redesigned Market Street?
1: That was our question that we sort of set out for ourselves. And I think where we started. Two weeks ago, where we were two weeks ago versus now has evolved tremendously. And so I think at one level I think everyone involved at YBCA and planning recognized that there should be a new baseline for what Mark Street expects of itself. And so it should be a place where you can come out and have that experience of joy. You can come out and play, be a little bit of whimsical, really take a step outside of your everyday experience. And so that something like that should be out there three hundred and sixty five days a year. And that' idea was sort of where the festival was originally going. Like how do we put in these prototypes or these installations that can add that layer of experience? So we learn, A, people love it and they want it. And we've got 52 ideas of how to do it now. And so that's great. And so I think in terms of doing that, you we're still going to go through and figure out what the most promising prototypes are. And we're in the, in the process of developing all the final criteria for what that means in terms of how close to the final design, how much more additional work in terms of future iterations, the public voting process, all that sort of stuff is going to go into it. And so that's going to move forward. I think the other exciting part is that the ephemeral nature, the three-day nature of this was really beautiful. And wouldn't it be great if we made this the San Francisco Prototyping Festival that we did on an annual basis? And so not only do we rebuild a Mark Street in 2018 that has many of these current prototypes made into final installations. But we have this constant generation of new ideas that there is a living nature to what happens out on the street, in addition to this big celebration that we have that really is tapped into something special in San Francisco. And so I think that's, as I sit here today, that's the direction I would love to see us move in, and that's what we're working
0: towards. A mundane question, perhaps, but let me just ask it. So the pavement, the plantings, the street furniture, does any of that get changed in as sort of the base, the canvas, if you will, for the projects that um, that you've prototyped or will that all remain the same? And and it's simply the addition of the the projects that you've prototyped and then we will finish off mm-hmm. that changes.
1: So, for Mark Street, that's all going to change. You know, I think for other cities who are looking at this, it doesn't necessarily have to change, but we, we have to burnish up Mark Street. As you said, it's, it's getting tired, and it's a design that doesn't really work for our, our times. And so, an early concept from the very beginning was to actually create a zone on the sidewalk. We have these beautiful 35-foot sidewalks. We have so much space to, to work with. And we don't need it all for people moving up and down. We actually only need maybe 15 feet of it for people moving. That leaves up to 20 feet for something else. And so we had always thought to create these flexible zones with a type of paving that could be easily picked up and put back down, rearranged, and so that we could put things in, try things out, and improve upon them, move them. This flexible zone, we called it the street life zone. is where, you know, where life happens on the street. And I think what's happened with this festival is we've learned a lot about how to further refine that in, in terms of declutter, making sure we keep it decluttered. It's pretty cluttered out there right now, if, if, you, if you notice. It, there's a lot of stuff in the way um, of doing this sort of festival in the future. How do you bring utilities? What are the utilities um, and where do you put them? I think there was a lot of logistics um, that, were, that we did short-term fixes for that I, I know gave a lot of our colleagues at Public Works tremendous heartburn but how we provided, say, power to a lot of these installations, um, but that you would actually build into the infrastructure of the street and so that it becomes a canvas that's so much more easily accessed and used and you don't have to go through some of these pretty amazing contortions to bring things like power to to the installations.
0: I want to ask you one more um, mundane question, Neil, but it, I know it's something that everyone who's ever tried to do, a parklet – or any sort of tactical urbanism project unless they just completely ignore the rules asks themselves how did you permit it and how did you ensure it
1: so the permitting we had tremendous help from the department of public works you know this it came down um, from the director Nuru, clearly said this is a good idea we need to figure out how to make it happen and realizing that it's going to be a different way of doing business for us this is not your typical festival and so that gave staff many of whom are actually very very creative when it comes to p- finding new ways to provide permitting to go out and find a new way to provide the permit for us and so they actually came up with public public works came up with the new Mark street permit basically it's a true a, a mechanism called the director's order that muhammad can just sign and a couple key parts to it one the city maintains liability for everything that happens outside of the installations. Our permits up to that point, you'd you'd take on a whole geographic zone and, and including you know, what happened to the underlying paving and stuff like that. And that was just prohibitive for anything. So that's tactical. And so we're able to move away from that. And the permit holder, um, in this case, is YBCA, only took on the liability for the interactions with the prototypes themselves. And the city maintained liability for everything else. And so that was a huge step forward that we pioneered part of the Living Innovation Zone work two years ago with the, uh, the city's um, risk assessor and our city attorney's office. And so we had that in place. And then you know, there were other things that we learned from. A big one was ADA access and how do we ensure that as many of the prototypes that can be accessible are accessible. And so we're working with our mayor's office on disability come up with guidelines sort of like a cheat sheet of how how do you do these temporary installations in a way that really maximizes people's access to it and so that as many people as possible can enjoy it and so i think in that case you know, there's a recognition on all sides like hey we could have done better with that this time and and we're going to take the steps necessary to make sure that it's it's you know improved upon next time and then you know finally you know we the city there are steps like usually public works would ask the permit holder to pay for inspectors to come out to make sure that everyone's abiding by the terms of the permit. And Public Works made the decision that, you know, it's three days. We've given them really clear parameters. Let, let's let them just move forward and not have our inspectors combing the street up and down, which um, I think probably would have also fundamentally changed the, the tone and the character. It was very free and fluid, uh, the way that people were interacting with the, the prototypes And I think putting bounds on that would not necessarily be a good thing, so I think it's a good choice by Public Works. It puts an additional burden on, in this case, planning and YBCA to make sure that the installations go in in a way that adheres to the greatest extent possible to the terms that we signed for for the permit. Um, But we certainly greatly appreciate the, the support of Public Works to recognize that this is three days, and let's prototype a new way to through the permitting inspection and installation process.
0: When you think about, Neil, what you learned from this or your big aha moment uh, that you think, okay, this is something I need to remember and apply it to the rest of my work, what was it?
1: That no matter how tough you think your street is, no matter how difficult the economic or diverse the economic social conditions are, we do have that underlying desire as human beings to share, have a collective experience in public space that's positive, fun, engaging, that really equalizes us. And I like to say that we've, we've turned that corner of that debate in San Francisco. Never do we have to ask whether Market Street could be more than just this grand wide boulevard. It can be a people's space. We've proven that and we've proven it in a way I love that idea of it as an equalizer, that when you're out there, it doesn't matter whether you are from the new tech firms or a longstanding resident or if you're a visitor, everyone came up and had an equal access and, and played and had the same type of fun as anyone else. And I think that was a really powerful reminder for people who are out there is that, you know, maybe we're not as different as we are. You know, maybe we can you know, get that little bit of empathy and understand that we can work together and i think if we do more of that that's really the role of public spaces we're going to be better off when we tackle any of the other urban challenges that we have and there are many of them
0: neil i love what you've done and i love the way you you talk about what you've done thanks so much for being with us on night cities
1: oh thank you so much Carol. I really appreciate the opportunity
0: neil Roshoy is program director with the city design group in the san francisco planning department you can follow us on Twitter at hashtag Knight Cities and at C. Coletta. Sign up for our newsletter at nightfoundation.org forward slash podcast to get the five things you should know from this interview and our other interviews at Night Cities. You've been listening to Night Cities. I'm Carol Coletta.